You are listening to the Compliance Conversations podcast by Healthicity. If you work in the healthcare industry, you know how crucial compliance is to your bottom line, your reputation, and the success of your organization as a whole. If this is your first time listening, welcome. A transcript of every Compliance Conversations episode can be found at www.healthicity.com resources, along with a ton of other thought leadership materials. You can add us to your RSS feed and iTunes, or follow us on Twitter and Facebook. Now, let's get on with the show. Welcome, everybody, to another episode of Compliance Conversations. I'm CJ Wolf. I am Healthicity's Senior Compliance Executive, and today I have a wonderful expert from the documentation and coding world, uh, Tyler Griffith. Welcome, Tyler. Thanks. Thanks for having me, CJ. Tyler is a technical manager of professional documentation and coding at Intermountain Healthcare. Uh, Many years ago, I worked at Intermountain Healthcare. It's a very large um, health system with hospitals and doctors and health plans and all sorts of fully integrated um, healthcare in the Intermountain West, uh, mainly here in Utah. Um, And Tyler uh, is one of the, the managers there. And we thought we'd talk about some things. But before that, Tyler, just I usually want to have my guests tell the listeners, you know, how did you end up doing what you're doing? You know, a lot of us don't grow up thinking, oh, when I grow up, I want to be a coder or a compliance person or something. How did you end up where you are? Right. I mean, we talk to doctors every day that are like, you know, I got involved in this thing because I wanted to practice excellent coding principles. So I don't, I don't know what you're talking about there. CJ. Exactly, right? <laughs> doctors just love it. Right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, they sure do. No. Um, like a lot of people, I studied silly things in college like history. And I actually started out thinking I would be a physician. So I had some pre-med classes. But I got a job as a part-time security officer here in Intermountain Healthcare. And one of the directors of my current department saw me as this security guard and asked me what the heck I was doing there. Uh, Because she figured a guy, I guess, like me shouldn't sit around as a security guard as a career, which, by the way... I thought it was a noble profession. Yes, you know, you're you helping make the world safe, one hospital facility at a time. There so, you go. But it's true. It wasn't my career path. I thought I would teach. Well, our director said, why don't you come work for me and teach doctors? And I said, teach doctors about what? They already know everything. Yeah. And so she knew I was a good candidate. For for working with doctors because I believe that already. Yeah, exactly. And uh, yeah, and I I looked at what they had. I I did an interview like everybody else, of course, but uh, just kind of fell into this then. And they did an in-house training thing for me. I got all the coding certifications, um, and have just really worked with about every different kind of physician since then. And that's in the last twelve years. Yeah, so you've been doing this uh, about 12 years now, is that right? That's right. And that's everything from plastics and hand surgeons to primary care, working with those guys. I mean, cool. uh, that's the thing about Intermountain Healthcare is there are doctors of pretty much every flavor here. That's right. Well, that's great. You know, we all kind of come to this world a little bit differently, but we're all here now. And I know you have some expertise. And some of the questions I want to talk about, I think for our listeners, 
know, these are really good resources when it comes to coding and documentation practices. So we're going to, it's going to be a little bit of a hodgepodge or a stew uh, on resources. And the first question I would ask you, Tyler, has to do with the, the National Correct Coding Initiative or NCCI policy manual. A lot of us know about the NCCI edits, but there's a manual. Tell us about how right. you, you know, why is that manual important? How do you guys use it? You know, tell us a little bit about that manual. Right. The manual contains your payer or procedure to procedure coding edits, right? And about every payer follows them. So knowing about what procedures they consider hitting against each other right. is a really important thing to understand because people get denials all the time and they have pretty much no idea because you've got a person who's not involved with knowing actual medicine, trying to deal with edits, trying to describe why a very complex procedure has some aspects of another very complex procedure included with it. Yeah. And uh, so the main part of the NCCI policy manual contains procedure-to-procedure -procedure coding edits. And that's what the, the CCI edits are. Right. And... Um, a good example that I see of this all the time is exactly what I'm talking about. You, uh, for me, I work with plastics doctors a lot, okay. and so we'll see them wanting to code for a myocutaneous flap. Now, that's a muscle flap that you usually will transpose from one place to another, and it's code 15734. All right. Now, they'll want to do that with a free flap breast reconstruction, for example. And that's 19364. Uh, oh, I think I uh, said the myocutaneous flap was, that's 15734. Yep, I think And the that. reconstruction, did I say it right? Okay, yep. good. Okay. So the free flap breast reconstruction, 19364, will include a myocutaneous flap. And a physician will say, well, I clearly did both of these. Right. And you have to be able to explain, yeah, that's right. But the NCCI policy manual, straight up, this is, I'll give you direct chapter and verse. And this was what's great about this policy manual. I mean, I've got mine laminated, yeah. you know, so okay. that I, I can read it in the tub. You know, I, you a little bit of bubbly, uh, a little bit of uh, <laughs> bubble bath, you know. Right. Some candlelight. I've been for a good night, CJ, That's with right. my NCCI policy manual. That's pretty sick, man. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> hey, it's a good time. It's a good time. Anyway, so in Chapter 3, uh, point 7, it actually says straight up CPT code 15734, which is the muscle myocutaneous or fasciocutaneous flaps, shall not be reported with breast reconstruction codes 19357, through 19364 and a couple of other codes or breast prosthesis codes since a flap if performed is included in the reconstruction or prosthesis procedure so yeah. it's it's that clear sometimes right which is fantastic because there's just no way that that isn't understood by a physician as well as by most people who are familiar with plastic surgery type coding right yeah, you know, I, I remember 
um, so I didn't do a lot in plastics, but I did a lot in interventional radiology, and there were examples as well of, I, I'm sure the coding has changed a little bit, but when you're doing a, like a heart um, catheterization, and then you, you pull the catheter out of the aorta uh, down through the, the leg arteries, and you do what's known as a drive-by renal aortography, and the C- right. I, remember, I remember specifically the CCI manual saying, look, this is an example of where if you're doing it in conjunction with this greater procedure, this smaller procedure, we've worked the work and the reimbursement into the greater procedure code. I know a lot of people complain that the reimbursement's not enough, but from their perspective, they said that's an inclusive code. So there, it's just chock full of those kinds of examples depending on the specialty, right? You bet. And and again, that clear, yeah. I think it's, it is a fantastic resource for people to to understand a denial, and then, like you say, to be able to go back to your physician and say, doctor, look, you actually are getting paid, because that's the big concern with most providers, exactly. right? Hey, I want to get paid. Right. I want to get paid for what I'm doing, man. It's a lot of work. Right. Well, that's true, doctor, but look, you are getting paid because, yes, the lesser procedure has the reimbursement built into the greater procedure to cover yep. that lesser procedure. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and I, so the manual is available for free online. Is that correct? You can download the chapters as PDFs or something? Absolutely. Yeah. It comes out as a zip file uh, for us, but yeah, it's, it is, it's really easy. It's set up by chapter, as you are saying, somewhat like the CPT book. Right. It's set up by chapter. Yeah. 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 I remember that. So really easy to reference. Or yeah. bookmark. If you want to bookmark it, you just have to make sure that you're bookmarking it and then using the updated because they'll update that right. every year. You need to make sure that you're using your most updated version. But, yeah, you can bookmark the exact section that you work with if you work with a specific doctor. If you're part of a huge health system like us, then you'll have to just look through the chat code set you're using. Yeah. Yeah, and I remember, you know, you were telling us a little bit about how you got into the department you're in. I don't know if if the director at the time was the same director that I had when I got into coding at Intermountain. It, she, it was. Yeah, she's a wonderful mentor, wonderful person. And she she gave an example yeah. once when we were trying to teach doctors about this. And so I try to credit her whenever I use this example. It's kind of the, the value meal at a, at a fast food restaurant. You know, you can order the burger, the fries, and the drink as separate items, and you pay more than if you order the whole meal. And so we always used to say, look, CCI edits are kind of like that. If you order the whole meal or the greater procedure, the burger is included, the fries are included, the hamburger is included. And so all of that's included as one bundled price. Um, You can't bill for those other codes separately. But in some circumstances... You know, maybe you went through the drive-through and and I ordered a, a value meal, and my passenger in the car ordered a drink. You know, so on the receipt, a separate line item of a drink looks like you've unbundled the drink from the value meal. But in reality, exactly. in reality, the documentation would show, nope, I did both. So it because there are times when you can bypass those edits with a fifty-nine modifier, right, or other modifiers, correct? But the documentation has to support it. Absolutely, because if not, then essentially you're 
you you are lying. You're saying, hey, I did a completely separate complex repair right. with this uh, breast procedure. But if it's in the same exact spot and the closure for that procedure, you're you're telling a falsehood there, That's saying, right. yeah, there was a separate complex repair. No, no, there wasn't a separate complex repair with that 59 modifier. It's the repair that's included with that breast reconstruction procedure. Because the idea that if you make a hole in somebody, you're going to have to close it up. That's right. Is pretty much, and I, yeah, that's even bigger than I want to fries and a shake right. with my burger. You know, right. if you make a right. hole in me, doctor, I want you to close it up. That's right. Okay? That's right. That's exactly right. Well, that's that's a good kind of uh, scenario on the NCCI manual. There's another manual that I find really useful, and I know you do too, the Medicare Claims Processing Manual. This is also, if correct me if I'm wrong, is still a publicly available manual online. You can download it. But it has all sorts Absolutely. of documentation and requirements that are specific to Medicare. Is that right? It, it absolutely does. Yeah. And it's, it's a really great resource, again, if you're dealing with things like denials, but also let's say you're involved with like a rack audit. Okay. You know, that, that can be a real scary type situation, yep. but they're going to follow your Medicare guidelines. And, uh, I, one example I can think of was, uh, a whole bunch of 99239s. That's the higher level inpatient discharge code. Okay. So these higher level inpatient discharge codes are being denied. And, of course, immediately you, you go, well, that's because you didn't document greater than 30 minutes being spent on the discharge services for that patient that day. Okay. Well, well, looking at the documentation in this uh, instance, they did document. They were documenting uh, what really well that they spent 35 minutes or 45 minutes or an hour in the discharge services for these patients for that day. So we're kind of scratching our heads at this going, well, I guess they're denied as part of this rack audit and we just ought to accept that, I guess. Right. And then, and, and then we decided, well, Let's take a, a little bit closer look. Let's look at the uh, processing manual, and let's see what's up. So have you ever heard of a swing bed? Yeah. Okay. Now, it's not, it's not a hammock. Yeah. So, or, or you... tell, so some of our listeners... <laughs> There's no rope involved. Yeah, some of our listeners might not know. Why don't you tell us about it? Define it for us. Okay. You betcha. Okay, so yeah, not a hammock. There's no ropes involved. It's nothing like that. A swing bed is what happens sometimes in a rural hospital or rural location where you don't have enough inpatient beds to appropriately care for patients along with patients who need lesser attention, like those patients who would normally be transferred to a skilled nursing facility bed. Right. So there's actually this is the Medicare Benefit Policy Manual, Chapter Eight. Again, I've got I've got the chapter and verse here. Chapter eight, it's ten point three. Gotcha. But a hospital known as a swing bed facility can swing its beds between hospital and skilled nursing facility levels of care on an as needed basis. And so again, 
really specific knowledge yeah. in these IOMs, uh, internet-only manuals right. that Medicare publishes. So, so super helpful. And, it, and of course, it goes on to say uh, when a hospital is providing extended care services, it can be treated as a skilled nursing facility for the purposes of applying coverage rules. You don't have to change the location of the patient, even, it says. Yeah. Uh, it just needs to have their status changed. And what was happening for us is they were in this type of situation when they're all ready to leave. They're feeling great. They're ready to leave the hospital. Our providers are billing a 99239. Well, that's not appropriate for a patient who's in a skilled nursing facility. Right. A skilled nursing facility discharge code is 99316. Exactly. Yeah. So it, all we needed to do, we didn't need to accept the loss of all the money. We didn't need to do that. We just needed to resubmit with the appropriate code for that situation. And we found out about the policy by looking at the uh, Medicare claims processing. Yeah, and, and so those manuals, correct me if I'm wrong, but as I remember, those manuals are published by CMS nationally because CMS will contract with regional carriers or Medicare administrative contractors, and those MACs are supposed to follow these national policy manuals. Is that right? Absolutely. Uh, everybody who is, like you said, a MAC, all the MACs have an agreement to follow these. Yeah, and so this is what's interesting, you know, and sometimes the, you know, the MACs are independently owned, you know, they may be like a health insurance company or something, but they're independent contracts, and they sure, may, sure. if they're new at the process, they might not be aware, and you might know better, you know, chapter and verse, like you said, uh, if you're studying these these manuals. Right. Yeah. Exactly. Well, cool. We have a few more minutes. And Go ahead. Yeah. Sorry, I was just going to say, all you really need to do is know where to look and know, uh, quote to them the chapter and verse exactly. from Medicare. And they let, know, to let them know. Yeah, and they know that they're supposed to follow that. That's right. Um, the other topic, you know, we're getting kind of close to the end of our time, but I wanted to cover one more question for you, kind of a topic on the PPRVU files. You know, those can be valuable files, but they also can be misused by some payers Tell us what PPRVU files are and maybe an example of, of problems that can arise with how some people misuse those. Right, okay. So PPRVU file is essentially a list of all the codes, the RVUs that are assigned uh, to them by Medicare, and also there are a bunch of indicators in this chart that show like how, what kind of situational modifiers can be used in conjunction with the codes. Yeah. So there so you've got a zero indicator that says you cannot use this uh, bilateral surgery modifier with this code or a co-surgeon modifier or a team surgery. Right. And one interesting situation that we had, and maybe some people listening have had this problem and they don't know why this is such a problem, but we were seeing a whole bunch of denials on an S code, S2068. S2068 is a really specific code for a DIEP 
flap breast reconstruction. Sorry again for the plastics example. But oh, that's good. That's, yeah, that's what I do a lot. So this is a very complex surgery. It's where you take a free flap piece of somebody's abdomen and you transpose that to the breast. You use microvascular and neurologic anastomosis to connect up this flap. It makes a good-looking breast, but it also makes a breast that gains and loses weight with a patient. Okay. It's hot and cold sure. with a patient. Okay. You never have any of these issues where you've got a problem with the capsule around your prosthesis right. that needs to be revised. You know, 10 years later, they don't have to go in and revise your augmentation of your breast with a prosthetic because of a multitude of problems yeah. that, that can arise. So it's an amazing service. And the fact that there are providers that are this skilled to do it is just an incredible thing. And holy cow, why you wouldn't want to pay for this service for your beneficiary, right. considering that it is the best way to, to perform a reconstruction, basically, okay. for most patients. Why you wouldn't want to do that, we didn't know. So we started looking into this, and of course, Medicare never accepts an S code, right? Right. They've got their D codes. Third-party yep. payers have their S codes. Yep. Okay. So, the PPRVU file puts a little indicator of nine next to all of the S codes. Okay. And the nine indicator is concept does not apply. And essentially, it's just kind of a placeholder digit to say, hey, listen, uh, we just don't want to have blank spaces in our chart. Right. And the concept does not apply because Medicare will never accept an S code. Right. We'll never so the problem is you have a third party payer that does accept S codes. And they're looking at this nine indicator next to oh. assistant surgeon or co surgeon. Right. And they're denying saying, Hey, sorry, you can't have a co surgeon for S two zero six eight. Medicare says the concept does not apply. Oh. And you're like, guys, guys. Yeah. You do accept S codes. The concept does apply. Right. And so but there, with, uh, with an appeal on a denial like that, we do have, uh, you, you can't have a physician who writes a letter, who right. explains this procedure and the benefits that are incredible to the pa their beneficiary, the patient. Right. And so you can do that. There's also... Uh, a few scholarly articles, meaning they're published in journals that are peer-reviewed, right. that talk about doing microvascular anastomotic procedures with multiple physicians in order to cut down OR time, in order to cut down on the amount of time that a patient is under anesthetic, in order to cut down on physician fatigue. Because if a physician is trying to do this deep flap breast reconstruction, it can take them up to 16 hours. Yeah, wow. And yeah. if you've got an assistant, you can cut that time at least in half. If not, uh, you know, I've seen that providers can do it as short as seven hours, you know, doing bilateral right. deep flap breast reconstruction. So 
and of course, the way to appropriately code that is S2068 with a 62 modifier for a co-surgeon type situation. Now, of course, they're unilateral procedures, so if you're in a situation where one provider does the left breast and one does the right breast, yep. then you can go ahead with S2068LT and the other pro provider does the RT. RT, exactly. Yeah. exactly. So yeah. it's, it's, it's easy to get by that way, but lots of times they're doing pieces of each of the procedures in truly a co-surgeon style right. situation. Right. Yeah, that's so, a really interesting example. So it was a, a it was a non Medicare payer using the RVU file, the way Medicare would use it as instead of the way they were supposed to use it as a third party payer. That's, that's absolutely yeah. right. And and so it, we on appeal will sometimes help them realize. Yeah, this exactly. <laughs> So I, I can't say that it works every time, but it does. It does work, and yeah. you can point out. So. Well, this is awesome, Tyler. We're we're out of our time for today, but what? I just, I just want to review what we've talked about. Three great resources that you shared with us: the NCCI policy manual, the claims processing manual uh, for Medicare, and the PPRVU files. All great resources. Um, they can be used. They can be misused. And doing our own homework on them can, can make a big difference for our reimbursement, revenue cycle, and compliance, of course. So, Tyler, thank you for taking some time to, to share your expertise with us today. Well, you're, you're perfectly welcome, and I really appreciate the opportunity to be here. It's really an honor. Thank you, CJ. Awesome. Well, thanks, Tyler. And thank you to all our listeners for listening to another episode. Uh, until next time, take care. Compliance Conversations is sponsored by Healthicity. Healthicity designs software and services that simplify compliance and auditing challenges that reduce your risk and save you money. Where others see complexity, we see simplicity. For more information, visit healthicity.com.